Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Today our show focuses on empowering would be entrepreneurs. Today you're going to meet two entrepreneurs who want to pay it forward. Alvin Poe is co founder of Vodian Internet Solutions that was acquired by Australian online solutions provider Dreamscape Networks for $30 million in 2017. Alvin, good morning. Good morning. Great of you to join us. Lim Hui Ji is a successful serial entrepreneur. He listed his company at over $230 million US dollars before he turned 30. He's currently CCO of the Vision Group. That's a humanity plus company that believes in using tech for the betterment of the human race. Hui Ji, good morning. Very good morning. So both of you are part of the Singapore Young Entrepreneurs Award. That's a business and community initiative. And I understand both will be sharing a masterclass as part of a masterclass series um, on growth, sustainability and exit strategy. So before we get to know you gentlemen, maybe you want to share a little bit about why you both wanted to be part of the Singapore Young Entrepreneurs Award. Yeah, okay. So um, when I grew, when I was like, scaling out my business, one of the things that I found was that it's a, it's a very lonely journey. And um, most of the times when we grow as entrepreneurs, it's usually done by either making mistakes or by learning from mentors. That's literally the only two ways that you can grow. And the SYEA is, a, is an award that's not just, you know, a simple award, but has like an endorsement and mentorship component to it as well. So I think that really provides that community that uh, entrepreneurs can really tap on in order to grow. So, so it's a real myth that yeah. entrepreneurs do it solo, they're making it on their own. You need a community and these awards, the mentorship that it provides, the networking and the, uh, I suppose, recognition provides that network that entrepreneurs need. Yeah, totally. That, that's exactly it. So that's why it's so powerful. And it's not just a simple like nomination or an award. Uh, it, it has so much more um, to it that entrepreneurs uh, can really need and really tap on. All right. We're going to get to know a little bit more about your journey in just a while. Really fascinating. Um, how you built Vodian Internet Solutions. But first, let's chat with Hui Ji. Why did you want to be part of the Singapore Young Entrepreneurs Award? And understand young here means uh, 35 and under, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, I believe very strongly that entrepreneurs are really out there to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And in solving problems, we see how are we able to create better impact and bring society forward. So at SYEA, I think that the objectives and the goals that SYEA has set, it's very much something that sounds out very, sounds out very, very much to me, where they look at how are they able to build a sustainable as well as a common objective of how impactful entrepreneurship is able to contribute back to society. So at SYEA, it's very much about looking at how we continue being able to create this ecosystem of sustainable entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and continue to contribute back to society. I guess that's something that I feel very strongly about. Okay, you're both very busy men, so we appreciate you giving us, so to speak, a masterclass on entrepreneurship today and inspiring all of us. I wonder if you want to kick things off, Ouija. How did you start? I think I started my entrepreneurial journey actually very young. Um, I would say that it's very much by chance. When I was actually in school and primary school itself, I was creating uh, ice cream sticks 
rubber band shooting guns. <laughs> and it just happened that um, a lot of my classmates actually started asking me, said, oh, could you do that for me as well? And what happened was saying that, oh, they'll pay me a dollar to actually create it for them. Mm-hmm. And at the point of time, our materials cost was like probably 10 cents. <laughs> so I ended up having uh, quite a number of uh, school court classmates um, paying me money to be able to create ice cream sticks, um, so-called rubber band shooting guns for them. And wow. at the point of time, my allowance was just 50 cents. I was making like probably $10 a day just making that. Wow. So, yeah, I love that. <laughs> exactly. And problems only started after we started organizing war games and some of the students unfortunately started shooting the teachers and <laughs> it didn't turn out that well. And that was the end of that business, huh? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I suppose that gave you the bug in terms of, you know, how you could apply your ideas to make money. Was that the first taste of it? Yeah, so that very much was um, very coincidental. And uh, as I start to um, become a little bit more uh, matured or grow up a little bit more, I, I think I was very lucky to identify that I wanted to be an entrepreneur at a very young age. I felt that innovating and solving problems was something that and doing something different was something that was meaningful and something that was challenging as well. I set up my goal at a very early age of 14 um, that I wanted to actually become an entrepreneur and businessman and wanted to actually impact and create solutions that impact the world itself. So, yeah, that was something that I guess I was really lucky with at a pretty young age. Okay, I guess we want to unpack how you, you made it from 14 to then listing a company at over $230 million before the age of 30. Going to figure that out in a while. But first, let's turn the mic to Alvin. Alvin, uh, were you also very young when you decided you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, I, I related a lot <laughs> to uh, Hui Jie's story because that was kind of like how I started as well. In primary school and in secondary school, I was always trying to find ways to uh, raise money because pocket money from you know my family wasn't enough and it's usually like if you want to like buy more stuff you want to buy food and you know hang out with friends after school you you really have to find your own pocket money and for me i realized at a young age just like wait here that like there are stuff that you know you can do you can you can provide uh you can you can sell stuff you can uh, I remember I, I used to help uh, my friends buy music CDs because I was like living near a music store and uh, oh. I would just like help them buy a music CD or two. And, and you, you get uh, paid for buying their fee. CDs? Yeah, I would just charge them a service fee on top of that. Um, you know, that, that was one of the first few forays on, into entrepreneurship. I, I sold like country erasers as well um, just because I could go to the bookstore and I could like resell them to my friends in school. Uh, so that got me a taste of like you know creating value like like whatever you're doing it's it's basically a value a value added service that people are willing to pay for. What what I'm doing is essentially saving my friends the time. Or actually, some of them they, they can't even go out right. They, they're not allowed to go out, and so uh, I can help them do that. Uh, and in return, I got paid. So because of that, you know, when I was growing uh, older, I, I I realized that stuff that I could do with a computer. Um, especially like graphics design and website design, those were really valuable skills. My relative, uh, he asked me to design a website for him. And, you know, that got me realizing that professional services were, were, were awesome. Like people, businesses in particular, would really pay for that. And, you know, it got me started off as a freelance web designer. Mm-hmm. And from there, I started my business. We grew from a freelance uh, a web design firm to a web hosting firm. 
Um, and that was how Vodian got started. Wow, so Vodian got started because an uncle asked you to design a page? Yeah, essentially. Totally. Wow, that's really cool. Uh, what about yeah. you, Huiji? Um, you know, this company that you listed at over 200 million US dollars before the age of 30, what did it do? How do you start it? Yeah, so uh, at the point of time, um, we basically focused very much on e-commerce. And e-commerce at the point of time was really hot, uh, where we provide and specialize in building marketplaces very much for the different customers at the point of time. So typically what uh, usually I look at is um, I focus on the areas of technology mm. and specifically in technology that will mature in the next three to six years. Why three to six years? Primarily because anything that's closer than three years in the technology space, there'll be too many competitors. And anything that's longer than three years, basically you need a runway that's very much um, a lot more money to be able to, to, to endure that six years itself. So over the last number of years, I realized from the technology space, it's always innovating really quickly. Yeah. And at the same time, um, at the, we need to really balance between what parts in the market and what's of demand. So at the point of time when this company, we focused on e-commerce, then came in the fintech craze. And today, I'm running a group called Vision mm-hmm. that we focus a lot in the areas of blockchain, AI, and cybersecurity around the areas of data blockchain for data trust, AI for data clarity, and cybersecurity very much for peace of mind. So it's all about data now that you've got your eye on. Alvin, what problems are you solving now as an entrepreneur? I exited the business in 2017, and I was traveling full-time around the world after that for two years. And I returned this year Mm -hmm. uh, just in time, actually, because tragically, like, COVID struck. um, But I managed to get into Singapore before that. And um, ever since I've been uh, an entrepreneurship coach, uh, the, the, the lessons, the frameworks, the models, the methods that I use to scale my business from zero to $30 million, uh, I've crystallized into uh, a methodology that I teach other entrepreneurs now okay. to scale up their businesses. So I guess when you sell a business for $30 million, you can go on a long sabbatical and then, and then do whatever you want, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's I'm the dream life that, yeah. <laughs> that most people aim for. Gentlemen, a big problem uh, right now, I think, and maybe, maybe it's a perennial problem for entrepreneurship, and that is capital raising. So maybe you can share some of your ideas on raising a cap, raising capital. Huiji? Yeah, so raising capital. I mean, capital is always needed um, very much to see how we can scale the business. But at the end of the day, it's really about communicating the underlying value. Whoever we talk to, potential investors or first round teacher, family and friends, well, we need to know who are we pitching to and what is basically important to them. For investors, basically, they're just looking at what's the risk, how much money are they will make, and over what period of time. Mm-hmm. If you are able to articulate underlying value very much to the investors that we are potentially talking to and make it really clear what's the risk, what's the potential upside, and what's the time frame, I guess that's very much the essence and fundamental towards talking to investors and raising capital. Great actionable insights there. Alvin, what do you share with people about capital raising? Um, I was a bootstrap business. That means I, I didn't raise funds externally. Everything was all uh, done by cash flow of wow. the business. Mm. And that's something that I feel uh, is a, it's a very sustainable model. I think that businesses, before they raise money, should ask themselves, uh, why they are raising money and like what Hui Jie says the value is critical 
I think uh, because my coaching clients span from a variety of industries, I see that some of them actually don't uh, focus on the right sequence of events. That, that means to say their fundamentals, their fulfillment, their value proposition, their business model might not necessarily be sound enough mm-hmm. before they raise money. And if they do that, then it's essentially uh, putting a stranglehold on the way that they can grow or scale. I mean, money and cash is the life, the lifeblood and, and it's oxygen to businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean you just take on as much as you can before you need it. I think having that clarity of direction, having that clarity of why you're doing business and having that clarity of how you can grow is, is really important because before you take on any funds, because with every fund, like, like Ray GSA says, that's a risk, that's a return, and the investors, they expect something from that. And the danger is doing that too soon, too prematurely. Okay, you're both incredibly articulate. And I wonder, you know, we hear all the time about the elevator pitch, um, entrepreneurs' ability to articulate their ideas very quickly. What do you say uh, in terms of the pitch that entrepreneurs have to have? And do you find that being persuasive is a very important skill for being an entrepreneur? Like Hui Ji? Hui Ji? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, many a time, it's about being able to bring forth a key message in a very short, concise manner, which would be able to allow us more efficiently convince the different investors or potential stakeholders that would like to come into the company. And I guess it's really about articulating the value proposition and at the same time have a secret hook. And this secret hook is one key thing that you'll find really interesting. Because if you don't have that initial few seconds to gain interest with the different investor or stakeholder, there's no chance for you to move on to the second round. I've found Tim that really extended model of why they should be the why you should be the one that they'll be investing into. So the first five to ten seconds the most important in terms of impression and communicating that secret hook across. Alvin, what do you share on communication? I use a five step model in scaling businesses and whatever uh, you know the elevator pitch is based on is literally based on the second pillar, which is the vision that you have as an entrepreneur. The vision that you have isn't just used in the elevator pitch to investors. It's also used in internal communications with your staff uh, or other stakeholders. It's also used when you're talking to a customer. It basically means clarity. It means knowing why you're in business. It means knowing why your business is different from other people and why your customers choose you. Once you can clearly articulate that, once you clearly know where you're heading to in a year's time, in five years' time, in seven years' time, you know, that becomes a compelling reason. That, that is your elevator pitch. That is the reason why people invest in you, buy in you, join your company, work with you. Um, and yeah, that's why it's so important to have that, that clarity of vision. Okay, everybody dreams about listing their company at 230 million before 30, but you've actually done it, Hui Jie. Um, when do you know when to exit? What, what are some key considerations when it comes to exit strategies? Well, I guess uh, many a time when we talk about exit, uh, the first thing is uh, as an entrepreneur, he needs to be really clear about what's his key objectives. Some entrepreneurs would like to actually run a sustainable business. Some entrepreneurs actually dream of that big unicorn business that they would like to eventually exit and make huge amounts of money. So everyone defines success differently. And I would say that as an entrepreneur, he needs to know very clearly what's he doing his business for, what value he's creating, and eventually what might be the potential rewards that he wants to take away. 
That's the first thing, which is objectives. Number two, timing is always important. Sometimes when we are very much at the top of the world, that's probably the time when you most probably watch other investors or stakeholders see you as most valuable. But at the same time, as an entrepreneur, when you're at that point of time, when you're top of the world, you might feel that your value is so high that uh, that might or might not be a time that you like to exit until eventually the cycle, the circle actually uh, gets over. So it depends very much coming back to point one, which is objective. And every business has a typical life cycle. So if we can continue to innovate and continue to create that fundamental value that we believe is strong and sustainable, then probably an exit might not be something that we want to look at very much in the short term. However, if the entrepreneur feels that he wants to exit at a very much shorter stage or early stage because he feels that that's his original objective in the first place, then by all means. And one last important note is that when an entrepreneur thinks about exit, mm-hmm. many a time, it's not only about he himself, but many a time it's about all different stakeholders involved. That includes his other partners, that includes his founding and pioneer team, all the different employees or so-called original pioneers that stick through with him through thick and team, as well as the original investors that came on board just believing very much in entrepreneurs' belief, vision, and trust. So I guess when we talk about exit, it's many a time more than just us ourselves. It's many about many a time about the people and the stakeholders around us. So I guess these are three things to really look into. Firstly, be clear of the objective mm-hmm. when we're looking about exiting or sustaining the business. Number two, timing is very critical. And number three, it's not just us alone, but the people around us as well. Okay, let's try and apply some of that. So, Alvin, did you have an objective of thirty million in twenty seventeen? Is that why you sold? Was that sort of a benchmark? Uh, no, it was not. We had a bigger vision, but at twenty seventeen, I guess that was like uh, a mix of the right time, the right place, the right person, the, the right you know the company that wanted to buy us. They came along with the right goals as well, so everything fell into place. I think the key thing to to note that is is that exits they just they can't happen if you aren't built to scale if your business isn't built for an exit if you don't have the systems and processes in place Mm -hmm. you won't be able to exit number one you won't be able to exit at a good valuation number two you won't be able to exit at all even if you get bought over you're going to be bonded to the company you're going to make to serve and earn out Um, and all that is because you don't have the systems you you cannot leave the company because everything will fall apart if you leave. People or companies, they don't buy one-man shows or they don't buy, uh, you know, people who don't have systems because of that. Um, and that's why when I look at scaling and look at um, object, exit, exit strategies, they all, they all boil down to actually looking at the fundamentals and, and looking at how to exit. Um, that's the that's the model that I use with my clients, making sure that, you know, on a day-to-day basis, they really focus on the business fundamentals, the business foundations uh, that allow them to get the kind of time freedom and the kind of space to, to look at the business as a business owner and not as somebody that's working in the business. Okay, so Elvin, you're going to be one of the judges, right, for the um, awards, the Singapore Young Entrepreneurs Awards. Mm-hmm. What are you going to be looking for? Uh, there are a few uh, criteria that people uh, that we are looking for in 
in the um, in the uh, candidates. Um, but this aligns with the uh, the the goal of the SYEA, and that is uh, two. One is that the business must be successful, and that the business must also be sustainable. And the sustainability uh, aspect is aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. There are six of them: health and well-being, quality education, women empowerment, jobs creation and economic growth, innovative uh, in- infrastructure, as well as responsible supply chain. So we're looking at a combination of all these factors so that um, the business is is not just successful but sustainable as well. All right. So your final words out there to young would-be entrepreneurs who are listening in. Huijie? Well, I would say that many a time when you think that's really, really tough, um, it sometimes can get even tougher. So stick in there. You never know when the so-called storm might be over. But it's always the toughest at the point of time just before you actually hit that turning or that success point. Well said. Hang in there. Alvin? Well, uh, my motto is to keep things simple. I think uh, as entrepreneurs, the problem is not being uh, being busy, being kept busy. The problem is being too busy mm-hmm. and not knowing what to focus on. Yeah. So uh, my, mo- my personal motto is always to simplify, make sure that you know what you're doing, make sure that you have clarity, and then you can move forward. Keep it simple and hang in there. Lovely talking to both of you gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us in Money and Me. Thank you. Thank so you. Great. Speaking with Hui Jie and Alvin Po, Lim Hui Jie, uh, both part of the SYEA initiative, the Singapore Young Entrepreneurs Award, a business and community initiative meant to honor and empower youth entrepreneurs. Hey, they're still open for nominations. The deadline is the 30th of November. You know, it gives you access to a sustainable network, mentorship, financial accessibility as well, and, you know, tips on enhancing that. And of course, access uh, to a masterclass series that both Hui Jie and Alvin will be part of. I'd love to hear more from them myself, honestly. The series on growth, sustainability and exit strategies. I hope you've enjoyed this empowering moment here on Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.